Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by the Florida Surf Film Festival and Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. I'm your host, John Brooks, and with me, as always, is co-host Kevin Miller. Kevin, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Nice, nice. We got a beautiful 82-degree day here in uh, Florida, one of the benefits of Florida in February, and... Um, Looks like there's a little wave out there. Did you get anything this morning? It's tiny. I went to the inlet. It, it was longboardable. Like okay. Night. It was like it's blowing pretty hard offshore, but yeah, a little wave. Did you have a longboard with you? I didn't, but I had a mid-length, so okay. all, all good. Sir, yeah, fair enough, right? Yeah, I got a couple waves. That's awesome, man. I uh, I was over here yesterday morning, got a couple waves. It was pretty fun. Nothing special. You know, nothing special. Nice. Nice. Yeah, they kind of over, over blew the forecast yeah it was like, <laughs> I, I was here at dawn almost with macaluso yeah and this other guy i hadn't surfed in a while and we had maybe about 45 minutes where it was kind of doing that thing as long as you were on the corner yeah you know yeah. the inlet probably would have been the call but there was a contest down there and about 300 other people as well yeah so but yeah, yeah um speaking of products of florida um that are yeah. beneficial yeah there's uh street cred and then there's full-blown underground legend status. And uh, our guest today has both of those things in spades. Yeah, he doesn't really ride waves for photographs or videos or clips. No. Or he never really has, even before those were a thing. It was all about, uh, apparently all about a tingling and numbness of his face <laughs> along with... Yes. Some the, sort of like suck back. suck backing, I don't know, <laughs> which we have fully educated myself on. At least uh, I kind of kind of was what I thought it was. I know when we go into these podcasts, I always think there's probably somebody out there who's lost. And so in order to ground them, I will, quote, play the kook. <laughs> yes. And uh, you do really well at it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of imitation going on. Uh, there. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I figure... Uh, on waves of that size, based on the smaller waves I've been on in my life, uh, there is a point in time before that spit comes roaring out behind you where the water's moving really fast up the wall and you find yourself in a, in, in a position where you need to either make an adjustment to get down and out of that, you know, out of that barrel or, yeah. or you're going to, and that to me is where Hopper will provide a lot more detail because Shannon Hopper Eichstead has done it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, arguably as much as anybody else, if not more so. Um, we'll talk a little bit about his early career. Uh, not many people know he was uh, Andy's little secret weapon in his world title campaigns against Slater. Um, that's a beautiful story. Um, so, yeah, we're just thrilled to have Shannon and his brother, Tupat, who's also a former guest on the podcast, uh, come over and have a chat with us. And Pure gold. Yeah, today. so We're good. Lucky to have him. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, I'll be going to see Hopper real soon down in Mex. I make my own coconut oil. You heat up the coconut oil, and yeah. then you put the cacao powder in there. Yeah. Well, first you want to heat up a little organic maple syrup. Get on the mic. A little, heat it. up a little maple syrup, you know, and then after that, you, then you put your cacao powder in and then you mix it together and then you can crunch some nuts up too. With coconut oil and cocoa powder and cacao what Cacao powder and then the cacao maple syrup to sweeten it. Oh, wow. And then you put it in your glass uh, pan uh -huh. and then throw it in the freezer. 
Oh, yeah, that's it. Right you just there. bring it to a boil. Yeah, and let not it simmer. Even that boil, just like, like a, you know, a get it warm, simmer. Yeah, and then you know, stir it up with the uh, stir the coconut oil first in the in the maple syrup, and then you put your cacao powder in there yeah. and your your nuts, crushed up nuts, and then pour it into the little glass pan. You right, throw it, throw it in your uh, freezer for a little while, and before you know it, you got your own chocolate. Poppy's yeah. chocolate. Wow, well, you, <laughs> like that's what we did on that the could tour. Be a brand. We uh, took, well, my kids, too. They, they give you cacao powder, basically, that's been ground right yep. in front of you. Yep. Um, which, by the way, I didn't know that the seeds in the fruit are fermented first, which dissolves everything basically inside the actual nut in the fruit. And then they dry it out, and then they put this fruit through a grinder, and, you know, you get the skin on it that comes off, and it kind of goes like byproduct. There's fat, there's oil that goes with it. It's, it's amazing. And so they give you this powder, they give you a little water, and then they've got a table of ingredients like cayenne powder, uh, vanilla, whatever you yeah. want to put well, in it like you're talking about. Yeah. And it was amazing. We made our own chocolate. The last night I was there, I just got back from Costa Rica, if everybody's wondering. Uh, and it was uh, it was fantastic. It was a really good, good tour, like two hours long. It, did, it included coffee. And uh, it was amazing, man. I, I had a good awesome, time. Yeah, dude. made your own chocolate. And you're you know doing this every day. Weird is I didn't get any chocolate when he got back. I ate it all the last <laughs> night. <laughs> I Customs mean, took it. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry may or may not have hooked me up the night before the while we were down there with uh, a little party favor. And, oh, nice. Yeah, so I, I was probably firing through chocolate and don't even remember <laughs> it. That night. Nice, nice. Uh, all right, so here we are recording a podcast with somebody I've heard about for my whole life, uh, almost. Uh, since ge getting into the surfing scene in, like, I would say 1986, and uh, obviously, how old are you, Hopper? I'm 44 now. 44, so you're a little behind me. So when I was at Stetson, you were probably tearing up the inlet. I was just starting to surf. I was getting into it right then. You and Chambers about the same age? He's... Two or three years older than me. Okay. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. He used to take me to all my contests. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I took Chambers down in the inlet from Quiet Flight one time. I remember it was like it was Inlet Charlie's back then, I think. Yeah. Um or was it Rip Curl? Summerna Surf Shack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's when yeah. Quiet Flight was Summerna Surf Shack and C B was Inlet Charlie's. Yeah, Inlet yeah. Charlie's, yeah. That's right. Yeah, classic. Classic. Well, we have what an incredible get for the Surf Stories podcast, and uh, it was offered up by none other than Two Pat. What's, yeah. up? What's up? Former guest. What's up? What's up? Former guest. Second time guest. I would say a big hit, too, because you get, I mean, I've gotten more comments about your podcast than any other oh, podcast. Wow. That's and cool. everybody's thanking me Story for that. time. Yeah. Yeah. You and Kim McNair and David Coffey. Uh, I love that Phoenix. one, too. And Thanks. Ashton's as well. Yeah, right They're on. all good, man. Everybody's got a story. Well, exactly. It's better and more important and relevant if you grew up here or even an hour away from here, kind of like I did. And you get to hear the, the legend of where all of this texture and, and tone came from, because this community is rich with history. And then obviously we have our expats that take off and uh, uh, slay bigger dragons right over here. Uh, no, If nobody knows, Hopper is a big wave aficionado, and that includes uh, paddle. Step off, toe in, going way back, and I don't know how much location we're giving out here, but your current uh, country of residence is Mexico, right? Yeah, I'm in mainland Mexico, deep in the coconut fields. There we go. We like nice. to keep. It. Is that all we're gonna That's say? That's all we're gonna say. Okay, fair enough. But you started way before that. I mean, you were going out to Kauai, and that's where you met Andy and Bruce. And would you say that's where your um, kind of like. Uh, 
love or at least curiosity about bigger, better waves came in? Most definitely. Just seeing the reefs and the big waves there and just the power and the way those guys approached the waves was just showed me a whole new meaning. Yeah, yeah. What's possible. When And when? how old were you when you first went out there? I think I went in the summer. I was either 13 or 14. And then I went back that winter. Wow. Stayed with those guys. Yeah. That was that was pretty much it. I remember one of the first waves I saw Andy serve. He pulled in backside, no hands, looked at me, yelled my name, Hopper, and then looked, shot the bird at me. <laughs> Standing there backside, no hands. I'm just like, well, geez. And he comes out and just does a gnarly blow tail reverse. I'm like, well, this guy's definitely going to battle Slater one day. Yeah. I knew right away. Yeah. What island were you on when you were? That was Kauai. Was where they, Kauai, where they yeah. grew up, yeah. Where were you surfing? Oh, just this outer outer reef slab where they okay. like to surf a lot. Yeah, right. It wasn't yeah. tunnels or cannons. Yeah, right? It was actually cannons. Oh, it was, right. Yeah. On. That's where Bethany got her She arm. got bit at tunnels, yeah. Oh, it was it tunnels? Yeah. I thought it was over at cannons. She got bit at tunnels, yeah. Okay. And that is well, I remember one day Andy broke his board and we were out there surfing and he had to go to school. And he's like, oh, hop, let me use your board. And I sat in the channel on his broken board, and I was <laughs> shitting myself the whole time. Oh. Like, this was right before she'd gotten tacked in a few years. And I was like, oh, it's fucking spooky here. You could just tell. It was, it's like, real silvery out. and glassy. And just, they do the shark toros right there in the middle. So it's like, you know, you're kind of like, I was always shitting myself paddling at dark and early in the morning out there because if, if you're, like, yeah, you're so susceptible. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a long battle out there, yeah. too, right? Like, what, a half a mile? I'd say at quarter. least a quarter mile. Quarter you mile, know, and yeah. you're in this big lagoon, and, you know. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's just a big abyss. Right. And it's, there's a lot of reef caves, and, you know, there's a lot of predators out there. Dude, you know the, <laughs> the clo closing scene, speaking of predators, uh, the closing scene of the movie Body Heat, where Kathleen Turner is sitting on a beach, or sort of fanning herself after she got William Hurt thrown in prison for... The murder of her husband. Yeah, uh, is Tunnels Beach right there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, right there. A lot of movie stars live there. Oh yeah, I bet. It's, you know, it's that one movie they did a lot of the jungle stuff in it. And there was Bring a, yourself into them like that, that movie. Uh, oh man, they did a bunch well, of well, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Absolutely, yeah. they filmed yeah. a lot of that on uh, Maui too. Oh yeah, huh? yeah. Maui, there's yeah, a there's yeah. a place on the road to Hana. There's a place called the Garden of Eden. That is like it's this family owns it and it's a botanical garden that you can walk through. It's I think it's huge. It's like fifty or sixty acres, and uh, you can go in and like buy a ticket and just walk around this place. And uh, the scene where they like come up and they're all the animals are running and he's like they do run in herds. That's oh, yeah, in yeah. that valley right oh, there. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, I did a yeah, helicopter cool. tour with my the, my new bride in nineteen ninety four. And I, uh, I, you know, she was getting kind of sick on the helicopter oh, or whatever. That's scary. <laughs> kind of weird. And, but we did the waterfall tour where they shoot the waterfalls and stuff on Kauai. Is the, you know, the north side oh, of Mount Wai. Hanakapi Wai. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then all through the Nepali and Hanakapi it's, Yeah. That's where the old hippie village was. Exactly. Like yeah. Mount Wailealea, is that what it's called? I think so. I can't remember exactly, but. Anyway, it's, it's amazing when you get to see it from a helicopter. But literally, like, the next weekend, a married couple was on a helicopter the helicopter goes down, and the wife died, drowned, or whatever, and, the, and somehow the husband made it. Jeez. It was horrible. Like, oh, the, you hear shit, about that man. about once every five or six years, and there's just Yeah, I think I remember news. that. That you was when I was saying? going there. I remember those guys were talking about that, and I was like, fuck, I'll never get in a helicopter. Yeah. 
I fucking hate helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> they don't look safe. I always say my prayers when we get on the plane. <laughs> yeah. like, all right, clean takeoff, clean landing. Right. Yeah. Count well. my blessings. So, it, so you were going over there. You started when you were like 12, 13. 13. And then how often did you go back and for how long? I would try to go every year. And then I remember when Andy qualified, he would bring me after the contest. I would go stay with him after the contest. Yeah. And we'd get incredible waves, you know. And then... A little closer to the mic, Hopper. Thanks. Yeah. We, we were just always surfing after the contest, you know, which was cool. Yeah. And then I ended up going to Australia with him. The first year he won the title, he brought me. Wow. And that was pretty rad, you know. It was me, him, and Sonny Garcia, and Shay and Corey hung a lot, too. And, yeah, we had a great team. That's great. Incredible time. That's awesome. Were you on, on board with any of these trips? No, I didn't go on Too that. Too fat? No, no, okay. I didn't go on that. There when was one that I sent Casey Collins on well before that trip. I had the opportunity to go, but I wanted to go home. <coughs> Collins, Collins was stoked. He, Irons was still trying to qualify. Okay. And they had a radical road trip. Irons was winning the QSs and getting in fights and <laughs> telling Collins what to do. And it was good, though. Collins had a good time doing that. I didn't get to go on that one, though. Right on. Right on. All right. more so, of a North Shore guy. So we, we, we obviously are getting to the point where Hopper's, I mean, you're – you're taking on some waves that were not normal for the average surfer. When was this going down? Like straight Pretty away much right after I broke my heel, I was just over surfing shitty waves. And, you know, I hurt myself on a one to two foot wave doing yeah. straight air. I'm like, well, fuck, if we get hurt like this in shitty waves, yeah, you know, it must be a lot easier in bigger waves, you know. Just got to hold your breath and relax. Yeah. You know, you just got to sack up, get out there. You know, most people coming from this this neck of the woods you know where the water doesn't move real fast you know yeah you feel uncomfortable but you know you just got to trust your limits you know and just yeah. go you know i can do it i think it's a tr it's a truism it's a fact that people get hurt more on smaller waves than they do on bigger waves you can get more seriously hurt maybe yeah. on bigger waves but clearly the majority of injuries are falling on smaller waves well, what's interesting is that new smyrna beach uh just came out statistically has the most surf zone fatalities of any beach in the world. Wow. Think about that for a second. It was like 10 over the last 10 years or yeah, something. Yeah, in the I world. Know, more amazing. surf zone fatalities here than anywhere else. It definitely seems odd to me, you know, because the waves are so user-friendly. Yeah, but I think part of the problem is, is that everybody comes in with that mindset. They come in, they, they, don't, they don't think about it. They, they relax, they, they don't pay attention, they, you know... Because they think, ah, what what could possibly happen here? Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas, you know, you paddle out at somewhere heavy that's a reef break or you're in Indonesia or something and the waves are big and they have power, the water's moving faster, like you said, you, you're paying a lot more attention. Oh, most definitely. You know, it's just, it's more alive. So, you know, you're more, more adapt to, to get thrashed. You yeah. Know, you got to be ready. Yeah. You want to be, you know, you got to make, pick and choose your battles just yeah. by being in the right spot, not getting cleaned up, you know not getting too greedy, you know, just trying to be a high percentage surfer. That's, yeah. you know, some days, you know, I might go out and only catch one wave, but I'm going to make that one wave count. Okay. That's just, you know, could well, be one and done. Speaking to that, like there's a point at which I think every surfer starts to hit their uh, discomfort zone. Uh, it seems to me in, in my heyday, I was comfortable pulling into barrels that were about maybe a foot or two overhead. And, Anything bigger than that started to get a little nerve-wracking. When did you hit your, like, I don't really have a discomfort zone? 
you know, once I was in my 20s, you know, I realized it's not that bad. You know, take a couple beatings and you come up and, you know, for me, once I felt that feeling of the being in a big barrel and it sucks you back like a paratrooper and, you know, all of a sudden you're underwater, you come up and your whole face is tingling pins and needles. It's like, to me, that's the greatest maneuver in surfing, getting vaporized. <laughs> you know, most people never feel that in their <laughs> lifetime. It's like, yeah. it's basically orgasmic. It's like having <laughs> sex. You know, you're like, holy shit, mother nature can make my lips fucking tingle and my whole face like pins and needles. Wow. That's, that's, that's incredible. You know, it's like, oh. Yeah, it's unreal that that you can get in a barrel and it can actually suck you backwards and pull you off your board, and it's it's oh, pretty. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Okay, it's, so I could just say I would ask you what your worst wipeout is, but you would just say yeah, last Tuesday, and it, like it's normal because you're getting vaporized on a regular basis. Hopefully not, but I mean in your in your world, a normal wipeout is something that would make me question whether or not I go back out if ever, you know, and, uh, I'm thinking like that just happens with practice. Like you get your 10,000 hours. Well, yeah. When you're out there on a big board, like in seven, six, eight, Oh, eight, six, nine, Oh, and you got a 15 foot leash on and you're tombstone and, and you're fuck. Sometimes you got a D leash just so you can get up. Wow. I've had yeah. to do that before. Fucking, you know, it's holding me down and I'm pull, just pulled into a giant barrel and I come up, barely get a breath. And you're getting tombstone now, and there's more waves hitting you, and now you're just getting serious. And you can barely go under because if the farther you go under, then the harder it's going to be. You're trying to, you know, you just want to get beat to the beach at that point. Yeah. You crawl up the beach and be like, fuck, I made it in. Yes. Right? If there's no jet ski or nobody looking after you, like a lot of times it was like that. It was just me and a couple guys out there where we're surfing. So until the jet ski showed up, you know, that's what made you a little more, more, confident and safer to know that you know your friends are out there looking after you a little bit and uh oh i bet i mean there's that zone right so after uh a wave breaks it creates this soup, rip as we call it whatever where you get pushed in a little bit but then as the next wave's approaching you're getting sucked right oh back you're getting recycled the, yeah, yeah you're yeah. gonna get i've been recycled by 10 waves and you come in and you're shaking your body's tingling you know you're like fuck this is real deal you know you could be life or death at that point you yeah know? And there's no lifeguards at this beach. It's yeah. just me and my buddies. You know, you're like, well, shit, hopefully, you know, someone sees you if you're in danger. You know, you definitely, you know, and back in the day, it was just us, you know. No impact vest, no, no. flotation device, no, no. kind of. It like, was just bare hands, big board. Like my best wave, Neil Spicer saw it, 2006, June 1st, on my 8-0 Mayhem. Just head down, paddled out with Greg Russ, my mentor, He's like, hop, you know what? We're not going to walk down to the Rio today. We're paddling straight out. We're going to get caught in a rip and get out there. Great, confident surfers. I was like, all right, Greg, let's fucking do this. And I'm looking at him, and he's fucking growling. He's grunting paddling out on his 8.6. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, fuck, this guy's, he was 44 at that point. 44, 46. And he was just, he looked like Michael Phelps, Olympian paddle surfer. Just underground, gnarly, never scared. That guy, he like made me feel confident. Looking at him going, wow, if Greg, you know, he's, Telling you, you can do it, you can do it. That's great. So I kind of looked at him like a father figure, you know, mentor. He always, you know, would give you good advice and psyched you up, you know. So for me, that, that's what made me feel comfortable surfing with Greg a lot. Oh, was that way? Yeah. Oh, the wave. Oh, man. That, I'll never forget. It was, I stood up. I remember pumping three times and the thing dropped out. Um, I was on my tippy toes when it spit me out. It sucked in, spit. Then sucked in again, and then it blew me out. 
and I was on my tippy toes about to fall over and I looked back and I flicked those guys off and I, I'm all, well, Niels is up there. <laughs> I'm and my other buddy. And I'm like, hopefully they got it with the camera and they, they, Niels was so baffled. He was like, holy shit. Right. And my other friend, who's like super OG, Al Cleland, he saw it. And I was just like, fuck. You know, I was just stoked those guys saw it. Yeah. For me, that that meant a lot, you know. Yeah, so. I mean, that happens to me on a two-foot day. I, I <laughs> <laughs> but that, that was definitely my best wave of my life. And there was no coverage. But my great friend saw it, who I brought down there. and uh, I think I think that's one of the things that's cool about surfing is that I know that most people would say, you know, if they could have their best wave captured and put on the cover of a magazine, that'd be amazing. But at the end of the day, you just want your buddies to see it. Yeah. Yes. If your buddies see it, it doesn't matter if anybody else sees it. Like, who cares? But that's one of the things that's most cool about that. You know, you know, the glory's great and all, but fuck. You know, just when your friends see it and you sting them up, yeah. that's, that's what's fucking great. Yeah. That's the best part. So how, how'd you meet uh, your mentor, Greg? Um, Basically... I had, I had heard of him, you know, and then we went down there and he was there and he's a pretty hardcore regulator through the eighties and nineties. He ran a lot of great surfers off just yeah. like, you know, beat it. This is our spot. Yeah. When, so when was the first time you went down there? I want to say 2004. Okay. And so uh, he'd been there a long time. Yeah. He'd already point. been there. He was going to Hawaii every winter and then he would fly back there in the late spring and do all spring, summer. Okay. Cause we get giant swells in the spring and then the summer and then he would bounce in the in the late fall and go back to Hawaii. Wow. He was an early pioneer at that way of Pedicalco. Oh yeah. You heard of that way? Yeah, oh yeah. That was like the sunset backdoor type wave. Yeah. That, that was, was a, that was a river mouth, right? Yeah. And they basically yeah. robbed all the sand. They, yep. they basically made this it looks like Chernobyl now. They made these stupid cement factories and all this stuff and it's just not, I went there and he, we pulled up and he's all, "Well, this is the wave of all waves, boys." And when we got there, I was like, God, this place is a shithole. Yeah. It's just dust everywhere and just real Is that when Markham and Fletcher and you guys went? No, that was the next year we went back on a giant Southern Hemi. And we went to the other spot. And it was uh, Lazaro Cardenas, big inlet, jetty. And that was where I saw the biggest waves of my life. I right. didn't think, I never thought Fletcher got scared. And this giant set came in and there was a freighter out the back. And I remember the freighter got blacked out for like, Close to a minute and a half, maybe. And the set came in, and me and Conley were starting to tow, and we let the first one go by, and we were going for number two. And we, as we're going for number two, Fletcher was so scared, he said he took his leash off and swam through the wave, and he had a brand-new 10-3 stretch. Wow. We never found it, saw a piece <laughs> of it or anything. It just, wow. got, it just got obliterated into the jacks. Because yeah. there was no beach at the spot. It's basically jacks. Right. Just, yeah, those big concrete yeah, jacks. It was, yeah, it was fucking scary as fuck. Yeah. I was scared. And Morcom, he duck-dived the wave on a 9-6. <laughs> and I gave him a 15-foot Crow Haley leash that day with a tie swivel. Yeah. We got back that night. And measured it. It was 39 and a half feet. <laughs> Just a little drag. Well, Markham, he never caught a wave that day. Well, he didn't talk for like a day. Oh, okay. He was so rattled. We're riding home and he just didn't say a word. Well, we get back to our spot and it's still 15 foot the next day. This yeah. is like the first, the first day was 30 foot. Then the next day dropped. And then we get back to the other spot and it's still giant. And he got annihilated again and his girlfriend even told him at the time she goes i hope you fucking drown <laughs> he was so fucking rattled yeah and it was it was it was definitely the gnarliest one of the gnarliest swells i've ever seen yeah hands down wow. what's funny too because uh 
if I'm not mistaken, Petacalco was on the cover of Surfer Magazine with, uh, who was the duo that went? Kevin Naughton. 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 Yeah. They found it on, not that they discovered it first, but they found it on a trip down through Mexico and it was, it was on the cover of Surfer, but no, no crowd problem. Oh, it's such yeah. a great wave because there it was a great afternoon spot. It would go offshore in the afternoon because it faced southeast. Yeah. And the west winds would be offshore, northwest winds. And so that's why it was such a great spot. You know, yeah. it was like a Hawaii spot where you could surf all day. Yeah. So, and it's a shame because they robbed all the sand from the spot and kind of killed it. Does it break at all anymore? You know, it has its moments here and there, but it's pretty bergy. It's not like it used to be where it was yeah. just top to bottom. Now it's just more of a, like a rolly kind of mm. real peaky wave. It has, it was, you know, it had such a great shape wave. That's what was such so unique about the spot. Yeah. So. So you go down there in two, early 2000s, you meet Greg and like, do you just roll up to him and be like, hey, here's who I well, am? Or like, how, how did you guys' friendship develop? I basically was surfing this river mouth right, and I had gotten three really good waves, and he kind of saw that. He's like, paddled right over to me. I'm like, oh, shit, what's he going to, he's going to rouse <laughs> me. Oh, fuck, I got it. Here we go. And I kind of had a mutual friend, and I asked him if he knew my buddy, and he's like, whoa, you know that guy? He's like, he's like, he's like oh, you must be all right, I guess, you know? Yeah. And the guy who's kind of, you know, so he kind of was cool to me after that, you know, which he had been a dickhead to most people. So yeah. I was pretty fortunate. Yeah. He, he was cool to me and Brian and, uh, you know, and then there was our buddy Justin and Al, and they were like the three guys that kind of held the spot down nice. prior to us showing up. Al's a so, friend of Greg Geiselman's Al Cleland. Al Cleland, yeah. 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 Is uh, Connolly a, uh, a guy who was there before you or around the We same actually time? drove together. Okay. We started what, off yeah. and we drove from San Diego all the way down Baja camping out. Okay. And that was our plan to camp out and go all the way down Baja and then go to mainland and, and, and find this spot and get to the real juice. What yeah. year did you first do that run? I want to say that was 2004. 2004. That was when Brian was making his My uh, Eyes My Won't Eyes Dry, Won't Dry yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah Brian yeah. Connolly. That's a, yeah. We actually, when we started our festival, we tried to get him to show, I think, number two. Yeah. Um, but it just fell through. I don't know. We were disorganized probably back then, too. But um, we wanted him to come is one of the things we want. He's going to leave that for flat Florida. But, I mean, you uh, have been kind of a resident now, I don't know, for a good number of years. In fact, do you have your Mexican citizenship? I'm or? actually going to go get it right now. I've been waiting on a few paper things. So I was trying to get it prior, but I didn't have all my things aligned. So, But yeah. now I got it all because I have my kids and yeah. So they're going to hopefully grant it to me now. So, and we skipped year, ahead, obviously. Yeah, what year was it? So you, you go down there in 2004, and you, you don't stay. You go down there to visit, come back to Florida. When did you, like, move, decide to go down there and go, man, I'm going to live down here. Like, this place is home now. Pretty much when Markham drove his ski down there, I told Todd, and I'm like, you know, he'd been going to Portland. I'm like, dude, you got to come see this wave. You know, and then he came in 06, 05, and then 06, and that's when he almost drowned in 06 at Lazaro. And he's like, oh, I'm fucking not coming back here without a jet ski hop. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, then we had such a great summer in 07, and I had a girlfriend then, and I was just pretty much, you know, trying to make it happen as long as I could. You yeah. Know? Living off the minimal budget, three, yeah. $400 a month, you know? Yeah. And just trying to be a hardcore surfer. Yeah. You know, that, that was my whole motto, you know, just 
trying to stay grassroots. Yeah. You get, know, get barreled. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do. Yeah. As growing up here, you know, struggling for a barrel your whole life. Right. right? Yeah. And then you pull up there and it's three foot waves. When it gets three foot, you watch it spit harder than anywhere in the world. You're like, oh, holy shit. You know, I found gold. Yeah. You know, I don't need to go anywhere else in the world now. I'm like, huh. Right. Well, I mean, what are the living conditions set up for uh, in a place like that? Is it an apartment? Is it a little structure, a tent? Oh, yeah, I rented apartments. I had this one apartment, and it was like $40 a month. No yeah. Electric bill every two months for like 8 $9. Yeah. Just sleeping <laughs> with a fan. And I brought Seth Stafford down there in 2008. We had this one day. It was incredible. We were on the skis, and he was swimming. He probably swam like six, seven hours shooting 7,200. Wow. Well, then the wind died off in the evening, and we're like, all right, Stafford, let's get you out there on the ski. And uh, me, him, and Brian Conley and Justin, we went out there, and we all took turns. We had Seth on one ski, and we were all stepping off straight into the ski trying to get these barrel shots. Yeah. And... Sure enough, we got this crazy peace sign shot. Ended up being a spread in Transworld. Remember that one? And, uh, yeah, after that, we were just like, wow, you know, this is like seeing those magnitude of those waves. Like, fuck, you can go to Hawaii, you fucking wait forever to get a hit wave. Yeah. You know, yeah. sitting there battling all those guys, you know, they're not going to give a Holly guy, they're not going to give up a hit wave. Yeah. Not, no. Not, you know, there's no chance in hell, you know. You pay your, that back then it was way gnarlier. You know, you had just the gnarliest cowboy crew ever in hawaii yeah wolf pack yeah well and also brian and between timmy turner and brian uh connelly doing uh in the in the barrel shots live you know oh, yeah. from the barrel it seemed to me like that was what eight years before gopro oh yeah connelly yeah. was way ahead of time he was holding a fisheye a fisheye you know housing right and stepping off the ski and pulling into these giant barrels you know and then coming out and pulling up on the ski and gravel. I remember one time he yelled at me because I went and got the surfboard and didn't get him. He's like, fuck, dude, I can't <laughs> swim with this housing. I'm, like, oh, yeah. dude, I'm sorry, but, you know. I'm like, you're so fucking gnarly, you can pull it off. Yeah. You, know, exactly. you had that one spread in Transworld, I remember, where Stafford, Stafford had put that giant, I mean, it looked like the size of Board this. cam. Yeah. Yeah, we did some yeah. board cams. It was That was the first thing we did. That was cool, you know. It was just smaller days, but, you know, you're just pulling in, trying to get lock-ins. Yeah. Did one on the front and then one on the tail. And that was that was pretty cool, you know. Yeah, Just. yeah. It's it's unfortunate because I don't think Brian really gets the credit that he's due for the the perspective that he kind of pioneered. Oh, definitely. You it's, know, it's, he spent uh, a lot of time making that. Those. I mean, he got a TSJ cover out of it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. some other stuff. You, but you talk like you think about um, like George Greeno. Like Greeno gets a ton of credit for some of the photography that he did on the bottom of his kneeboard. Right. Um, you know, but yeah, he was I paddling. I remember when he first showed up, he just had this housing on his board on his seven ten and he was paddling his ass off, getting yeah. these big barrels and capturing it with his bo- on his board. Yeah. And I remember I rode one of his six eights or tens and it was difficult. Yeah. Oh yeah. The board's real tilty, you know, it's not like an easy thing to do like people think, you know. Then you guys built that thing on the tail I remember that came up. It was like a pole that came up and it stood a little it was higher. Like flexible. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then put the damn cam on that. Over the shoulder. He had the tail mount. Yeah, that was definitely a challenge, you know. Just to get on stand up on the board, you know, it was definitely difficult. Yeah. It's, yeah. Now nowadays it's uh five whatever five terabytes right on your in your hand and uh, out of your mouth it weighs a couple ounces yeah (laughs) yeah it's a little different yeah so much different right so man this is 
all right up my alley. You're you're peaking curiosity with a lot of people right now too. I want to say like going into that 08, 06, 07, 08, you guys were hitting a stride because I remember it being somewhat covered at that point. Like I said, the TSJ cover and Brian's movies and uh, what happened to your, your neighborhood? Well, basically, I remember I was at Andy's house in 07 in the winter and I'm showing him some highlights. And he's like, fuck. Bruce, look at these guys. They're getting bigger barrels than us. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm like, dude, you guys, I want you guys to come surfing with us, you know? You guys are going to love this shit. You guys are tailor-made for these waves. And he came down there, I remember, and fucking just redefined what was possible on a smaller really? board. No shit. He, I remember one day, it was like 8, 10 foot, and he's out there on like a 6.2, 6.4 channel bottom, 6.2, and he was fucking... Paddling in? Yeah. Glass, uh, glassed in fins. Glassed in fins. And he just showed why he was the master of master in gnarly waves. Wow. He grew up at the gnar- on the gnarliest playground in the world with so many versatile waves. That's why, to me, he was the, one of the greatest of all times. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. from that right there. I knew that right away. Seeing all the gnarly waves that he grew up in, you know, and he just re- redefined what was possible. I mean, coming from a guy like you who've, who spent their, like I said, the 10,000 hours or whatever, paid your dues, and then you see somebody like that come in and redefine, coming from you, that's a fucking compliment. Well, I mean, he, mu- he must have just blown people's minds when, when he was, like, set free out there. Oh, he's, he just had so much raw talent, right? You know, he wasn't scared. Okay. He would, I used to ask him, how do you wipe out? And he'd be like, oh, you got a porpoise, you know? Fuck. <laughs> like, you know? Oh, bro, you just don't be scared. Just fucking go. Porpoise? What is is that? Like a dolphin, you know? You want to porpoise out the back. He's like, you know, I would always try to, like, you know, ride it out. You know, like, in those big barrels, you want to just ride it out and try to just porpoise through the curl or whatnot. Okay. Or if you're going to get pitched and get sucked over, you know, try to porpoise through the back to where you don't get sucked over and just land on the bottom and get the shit beat out of you, you know, knocked out or whatever. And that just comes from practice of wiping out. You're taking yeah. a lot of hits. Yeah. You know, you want to be calculated when you're wipeouts. Yeah. I, I do feel that's a real thing. Um, even when yeah. it comes to skateboarding, you, I, might, I watch some of the stuff my son shows me of skateboard wipeouts. And those guys are maybe better at wiping out than they are at skateboarding. I don't they know. They know how to roll out <laughs> yeah. of it. It's yeah. the only way you can have longevity yeah. in either sport. If you can't, if you don't learn how to fall, then you don't last very long. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's uh, what's the scene like 2010? You've already, yeah, and back to John's or my earlier question actually was what happened to your neighborhood after it got some popularity? You know, it it was still pretty mellow because there wasn't a lot of airplane flights going into that area. It's kind of a off the beaten path, you know. Yeah. So we were pretty fortunate for that. And then oh ten, you know, I brought Jamie down, and everyone kind of got a little bit eggy. But then they realized it was so mellow, you know. We kept it mellow. And, and by Jamie, you mean Jamie O'Brien, right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, he came down and got some great barrels and, you know, probably did his best performance surfing in that video, the last movie he made, who was J.O.B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he had a couple airs one day. We were Did, Char- so- did Charlie direct that? Jazz Smith? I think so. I think he did, I think yeah. He did, yeah. 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 Okay. Well... He, uh, we had a session one afternoon. I mean, we were watching the Masters, Tiger Woods, and we're sitting there, me, him, and Greg. And Greg's like, fuck, why don't you get out there and do some airs already, O'Brien? <laughs> and he had already been a couple couple Kawamas deep. He drank two big Coronas. I'm like, this guy, dude, he's so big. It's funny because he's such a big dude. It's amazing 
how he can pull off so many things because he doesn't seem very coordinated when he's getting on the skis, like almost knocking knocking us over and shit. I'm like, well, <laughs> goddamn, O'Brien. And the guy goes out there and he does a Slater flip, like right out of the gates, oh. almost sticks <laughs> it. And then he does this gnarly backside 360 airs a couple waves later. And then the next wave, he does this backflip. I'm like, well, fuck, how does this guy do this? He's, hang- he's basically drunk. <laughs> and the guy's like a hundred freaking... 75 pounds right now. Yeah, he's a big kid. Big dude, and yeah. he's fucking pretty limber. I'm like, well, damn. <laughs> I was, Yeah, it was pretty impressive. And then at the end to watch the movie, how well it was made, was that, that was incredible. Good. Yeah. yeah. Great, Great movie. Well, yeah. and also yeah. now to see, I'm so impressed with how he's taken his YouTube channel and just his whole branding and just like, oh, yeah. he's so authentic and so unique, dude. And like, when we were Groms, dude, like we he was made fun of. He was called Stinky. Yeah. It was his little nickname, Stinky, back in the day. And he was just this lanky, armed, goofy kind of kid and just turned into like, you know, he's one of the top three pipeline riders probably of all time. Yeah. yeah and he yeah. really took he, he after his like thing where he did what, you know, the magazine photos and pipeline master and all that stuff. Now he's just like the full YouTube. Yeah, I can't wait to see his episodes. When, yeah. When yeah. He it's come funny. Out. And good, he's good, he's Fine. one of a handful of guys that have won all the pipe contests, yep. including the body surf. Oh, oh that's I cool. Believe he's won the body know. surf contest. He's won the pipe masters. He's won the Vulcan pipe pro and he's won the backdoor shootout. Well, he's a two that's master. Pretty cool, yeah. And, uh, yeah. There's only, I think there's only maybe one or two other guys that have done wow. all that. So wow. that ought to be its own category. Like a tri- triple quadruple crown. Quadruple crown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, guy. Some kind of crown. You know, there That's should right. be some kind of crown for that. Tube master. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. But do you do you think, Hop, that um like what's the infrastructure like in that little zone right there? And do you think that has anything to do with it kind of staying the way it has stayed, staying kind of low key? Yeah. You didn't, you know, there's no motels or there's not a lot you know. of motels, you know, it's off the beaten path, you know, there's a little bit of you know, underlying, you know, cartel, cartel, whatnot, what they, you know, but for the most part, it's, you know, I feel safe and mellow. You know, I know all the local people, you know, try to treat everyone with respect and, you know, kind of guy, I give my shirt off my back. Yeah. You know, if I break a board, I'm going to give it to a local kid. Yeah. You know, I give all my older clothes to the local kids, you know, just try to help out as much as you can. Yeah. yeah. How big is the the town or the, like the province there? Like how many people are we talking about? It's a pretty, you know, the, the area we surf is basically a, a fisherman's cove. All older, old school fishermen, you know, there's like probably a handful of local kids that surf. And I'd say maybe four or five local kids that surf and the rest of them are just fishermen. Mm-hmm. It's just a fisherman's zone, you know, it's like yeah. the old village Mexico you know, which is yeah. pretty rad, you know, because most places these days are commercialized. And yeah. They're, they're not rolling in on the beach, are they? Are they rolling in at a natural harbor somewhere? Or? No, it's just a small little river mouth. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. and they come, the river mouth, you know, it's always moving around. So, yeah. you know, they just come and pull in and, you know, they go out and use nets and fish and then they hand line and catch snappers and pargos. And that's how they make their living. Yeah. Right. They use in like little pangas. Yep. 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 Yeah, that's cool. Most uni- right. universal boat design in the world. Oh, yeah. Manga. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just Everywhere. right off the beach, too. These yeah. guys catch big old snooks down there, and so do the locals right off the beach, just oh, like in the nice. surf. Yeah, I got like yeah. a 15 or 16 kiloer a couple years ago. Wow. On a wow. little white worm. Wow. It was a great battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's killer. Yeah. I saw Randy take down a couple in Nicaragua at the boom. Yeah. 
uh, one night when I had my camera out. And it was like sunset. Richenberg? Yeah. Aaron Richenberg was uh, walking down there every night. It's like two-mile walk. Yeah. And you get down to the estuary little entrance there, and he was doing it every night, kind of striking out. And then uh, the night before I followed him down, he's, he came back with a big one, said he had a good, you know, good run. And, uh, yeah, I got to witness Randy at, at sunset take two big, maybe not 15 kilos, but, like, big snook back home and nice. feed everybody yeah, that Chancleta snook. That's rad. Richenberg, he's a great guy, man. He's pretty much. He's your first shaper. Yeah, he made me some of my first boards, and he, made, he makes my toe boards now. And, you know, I feel real confident on his surfboard. Yeah. yeah. That guy's a scientist. Oh, yeah. The he's, stuff he's doing with fins. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, we've talked to him. He, he's agreed to be on the podcast. It's just wrangling him down to a time, but we're going to have him on to talk about his fin design and some of the stuff he's worked on with Kelly and yeah. as a test pilot. So, yeah, but he's he's making your boards now, the yeah, toe boards? Yeah, he's a, basically a master craftsman. Yeah. We basically redefine this board. It's a 5, 7, 17 and a half with like an 8 and a quarter inch wide uh, moon tail. Wow. It looks real. That's a ski. That's not that the board. Yeah. The board looks, yeah, it looks like a doormat. Everyone looks at it and like, oh, that's an ugly board, ugly pig. But is that the one that Ballaram rode? Yeah, Ballaram actually broke the board. But me and Markham wrote the board for years and just redefined what was. Oh, that's the one you saw in the video clip. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, two. They, they did a video, two men and a green board. Yeah, nice. and then we, we yeah we had a two men and a green board, and then we made it a red board and just changed it up a little bit, made the tail a little wider. Yeah. And yeah, the board's just... Is he weighting them? Yeah, it's about, a, you know, it was about an eight and a half pound board, I want to say. Okay. We figured around eight, nine pounds was the magic weight. Is he distributing the weight evenly, or is it like nose weight, tail weight? No, or? it's, yeah, it's all evenly. You know, I think he did five layers on the bottom or top, and like three layers on the other, on the top, something like okay. that. Three layers of six, and five layers on the bottom. And uh, I actually got the... The blank out of the garbage over at uh, Shane Smith's factory. <laughs> I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Oh, I'm throwing it away. I'm like, can I have this? He's like, yeah. And I took it over to Richenberg, and he uh, actually made it into the board of a lifetime. Wow. wow. More, I couldn't be more happy with how many dream rides I've gotten on that board. Yeah. And all my friends. Yeah. Have ever. you ever experimented with, I know for a while guys were doing like, um, lead weights like in the nose and things have you ever experimented with any yeah, of that yeah you know i don't really like that i i saw some of fletcher's boards you know and they were kind of he had this one 10 3 at our house and it's really heavy it's made for jaws like oh wow <laughs> i i think the really heavy weighted boards are more for the windy days like hawaii yeah, like gotcha our waves are real glassy so you know once you get in the bigger barrel, yeah, you don't want to cavitate. You want to hold your speed and be able to harness your speed. That's the key of what we're doing is trying to harness our speed so we can get as deep as possible. Yeah. You know, you don't want to outrun the barrel. That's the biggest thing. I'm always yelling at my friends when I'm driving them. Don't outrun it. You know, don't make me look bad. <laughs> you know, shave some yeah. speed off. You got to, like, a lot of guys want to just take that three-quarter line down the line where you have to go to the bottom. Like, me personally, me and Markham used to yell at each other, just be like, check, check. Do a hip check, fade. So you yeah. just kind of like do a little S turn and then go to the bottom. And as you go to the bottom, you, you can read it like a book. You just see it just drop out on you. And then that's when you can just bunker down and grab the wall or just flagpole it and stand tall. Okay. Yeah. Or, you know, once it starts to really breathe in, that's when you got to bunker down because the spits are so violent. They'll suck you right off your feet, like I was saying, and get vaporized. Yeah. Wow. So you got to really lean forward and just bunker down and just, you know, try to make it through that spit. Okay. <laughs> it's like coming through a tornado. 
Oh yeah. You know, it's fucking <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. I Keep know, talking. Right. Hang on, unzip. It's it's pretty fucked up. Keep like, talking. If I could make a wave pool that did that, well yeah. fuck, I'd be a billionaire. Yeah. Because none of these guys have made a wave yet, you know. I don't care, you know. I don't want to de- degrade anyone, you know. I know that's great for the aerials. It's real synthetic. You get the same section every time, which is great for these little kids that want to do 360 airs and backflips. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's not my route, you know. I'm looking for this suck back. Yeah. You know, and break through the barrier, the suck back, and come out and see when you get spit out and come out pins and needles, tingling numb. To me, that's just fucking. Oh, I'm, I'm going to sound like full on kook right now, but like when you say suck back, do you mean the water moving up the face so fast that it's almost right pulling you back? Yeah, Two Pat's showing me a, a quote, suck back, and. Okay. Well, I mean, is that. I, I saw the spit come what? out. John, what do you. What's your understanding of the quote suck back? So, like, there. I, I think I know what Hop's talking about. Like, when you're in a barrel. And you're you're making continual forward progress. Yeah. But then you feel the wave, kind of like round out. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Pulls you backwards. backdraft. It's like a backdraft. Yeah. yeah before so, the spit. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. you feel the the wave suck in before it spits out. That's kind of what I had in mind. Like when it's really bottoming out, and there's so much water moving up the face that you're almost going backwards, and then it's just like a. Yeah, it's like a standstill. Okay. You're like, oh shit, it's like stopping me in my tracks. Yeah. And you're trying to bunker down and lean forward, just be like fucking fighting this thing like a fucking gladiator, you know? I'm not giving up. I want to get blown out. I know exactly what you're talking about. So and you're also got to remember, yeah, like, I have in, no idea what he's talking about. No, I, I can't ba- relate. <laughs> I'm, I'm in sorry. barrels of this size, I totally get the concept. As the lip pitches out, when the lip makes impact in the flats, yeah. it's actually creating a wave that can be a foot or two big that's coming at you in the barrel. Okay. And that's probably the most challenging thing riding big barrels is yeah. dodging that shockwave. Little shockwave. Shock that's what got creates um, a suit. That's what got Kirby. Or uh, you know. So that's what caused Kirby Brown's accident. He talked about it in oh, the movie. Oh, we saw that. The lip impacts and it's a sideways wave that's coming at him. Yeah, from the wave before. Yeah. Yeah. But inside a barrel, that lip's actually creating a little wave that's then another obstacle to get around and over and through. And, and yeah, that's the, when they say foam ball. Exactly. The foam ball, ball is obviously yeah. going to create a problem. All right. Well, you know, I, think I know barrel I, technology, not technology, but I know I've been in a couple barrels in my life. Not a lot, but never anything like that. And it seems to me that that's got to be maybe better like better than sex and i don't know better than like, <laughs> oh, a lot of things better than any drug the endorphins you use and feel you're just like you can't even fucking believe it it's hard to describe you know it's just those couple words the suck back the vaporize and then your lips are tingling numb and then you know i've had my eyelids peeled inside out before really <laughs> and that just was you hit the water with your face yeah so hard, right yeah and okay. i came up and i could see nothing but white and i'm like oh shit and i flipped my eyelids down and then I seen this fucking 20 foot face wave about to just annihilate me and I just barely get under. I'm like, holy shit. Luckily I regrouped in time because yeah. it would have been ugly if that wave would have hit squared me in the head. Like it, it was fucking big that day. It was yeah. a Chopu swell in 2007. It hit so, Chopu Halloween day. And that's when Ian Walsh and Dorian were getting those fucking psycho barrels. Yeah. And it hit us like five days later and me and Morkham were out there and just, we were 
just getting these. Is that when he got injured? Crazy. No, these, he, he got one of the best waves ever that swell. Mm. He got blown out so hard. He almost, he was on his tippy toes. Yeah. He was riding like a little five ten stretch composite board four fin. How about injuries? What do you, what do you got? Well, the gnarliest one was in 2013 on D-Day, June 6th. I remember hearing about this. Um, out there with me and Todd. First, we're like, you serve first, I'll serve first. Put our vest on, took it off, put it on, took it off. Finally, like, all right, get out there. We're way down the beach, and there's a bunch of gnarly guys there from Brazil. The one Gordo guy, Carlos Burley. But we're like a good half mile down the beach from everyone. And this wave comes in, and it's probably 15, 18 feet easily on the back, 30, 35-foot face. And I tow him right in. He comes to the bottom, brand-new Richenberg, five, six, or seven, round tail, four fin, and just gets fucking kegged. Gets blown the fuck out down the street. And I pull right up, and he fucking rides up onto the boogie board, literally. And he's wow. like, looks at me. He's like, fuck up. Hadn't surfed and hadn't got a big, that big of a bear in a few months. And he's like, fuck. He was so high. He's like, I could have just went in after that one. Yeah. And then we go back and we go out and here comes another set. I kind of like, oh, you like this? He's like, well, you like it? I like it, you know? And I'm like, all right. And this way is even bigger. It's every bit of 20 and maybe some change. It was fucking giant. When I got to the bottom of the wave and I looked back at him, he was in the middle and he's like, Five, six, you know, so the wave looked fucking gigantic. Yeah. And he's just standing there in this giant barrel. Well, I don't know what exactly happened. If it sucked him down and the board hit him, we ended up breaking his leg. Mm. Well, I go back out and I can't get to him. I go all the way down and think, I thought he got sucked out the back. Well, he was getting pushed in and there was no one there to really tell me where he was. And I'm just getting kind of confused. So I go inside and I see him and I pull up. He's like, I broke my leg, Hop. And by this time, it's been, he's gotten smoked by four waves. And what was so gnarly is when he broke his leg, you're normally underwater and you're kicking with your legs trying to get up. Well, he wasn't doing that. He was underwater holding his leg together because it was a compound fracture now. Mm, yeah. It got blown out. Right. And it was basically, when I got to him, I just parked the ski on the beach because it was almost an an omen that he got blown in because it would have been living hell on that boogie board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The bone was already out. Is it below the knee? Yeah. It was T- the tibia, tib fib- tib fibula. Yeah. Tib- okay. It looked like an arrowhead when I got to him. Wow. Okay. And he, I go, as soon as I parked the ski, I go to pick him up out of the water, and he just screams like bloody murder. Put me down. Put me down. So I'm oh like, well, God. fuck, I got to get you out of here, dude. Yeah. And it would look, I'm just looking around at coconut trees, screaming for help. Right. yelling in Spanish, Ayuda, Ayuda. And this guy, Jorge, comes down, luckily. And luckily, Morcom brought his buddy that trip. And he's way down the beach where the truck is. And I'm like waving, and he comes running down the beach. At that time, I'm just dragging Mork up by his shoulders, trying to get him out of the harm's way in the shore break. Because yeah. Yeah. the whitewashes were just fucking... When I picked him up, I had to drop him down, and then like the six-foot whitewashes comes and just blows over us. And just sand oh, everywhere. Gosh, I'm like, fuck, Mark. I'm sorry, dude. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get you out of here. I gotta get you to get gotta get you just off the beach. Yeah. So at this point, I just get him up on the dune and he's just laying there. And I'm running down the beach towards the truck and fucking sprinting. I'm in like hyperventilating <laughs> mode. I get in the truck, 
and by that time, his buddy Simon's back down there where he is and I, helping him. I would have pulled a hammy on the way to the truck. Oh, I was at this point, I was just like, fuck it, you know, I'm not giving yeah. up. You're superhuman in those moments. Yeah, at that yeah. moment, I'm yeah. just like, fucking get to Mark. I got to get to my guy. And I get in the truck, fly down there, disconnect the trailer. Well, his buddy grabs a little uh, bamboo stick and, and uses his shirt and ties it to hold it together. To splint it, yeah. Yeah, to kind of hold it together. Well, he's holding his foot and leg the whole time while we used the, st the step-off board as a stretcher. Yeah. And me and my buddy Jorge are carrying him, and we slide him into the back of the truck. And at that point, I'm like, fuck, this is gnarly, dude. I drive him town. We get to the hospital, and the people don't even know what to fucking do. Yeah. They're just like, he's like, hop, what are we going to do? So I'm like, fuck. The guy puts his leg up on this little square trying to get an x-ray, and it just keeps falling off and falling out of place. And Simon trying to hold his leg. So I call one of my buddies who's a local there, and he's coming into town right then with Jamie O'Brien. And he luckily mm. comes to the hospital, calls his guy up in, up in the next uh, city and where we're at, and gets it all arranged to put him in a – we've got him now. We're going to put him in an ambulance mm -hmm. and take him about an hour up to a better hospital. Yeah. So we get them up there and that's where they do the surgery and they do the nine, they basically put nine bolts and a nine, like eight or nine screws and a, a nine inch plate in there. Wow. And uh, they had to graft some bone out of his hip because he lost like a quarter inch of bone yeah. in his leg. Wow. So. Yeah. Cause when you say, when you take him to the hospital in your little zone, like when you say hospital, like, is that, that's not a hospital like we're used to? Yeah, it was it's like, more they were like kind of... Like a walk-in clinic? It was maybe? a hospital, but they just weren't used to seeing this kind of carnage. Yeah. They're like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Yeah. And Mark's looking at me. He don't speak any Spanish, and it's all up to me. I'm like, well, fuck. So luckily, my buddy Carlos, who had some good connections, is from there, like an upper-class Mexican. Yeah. He knew what to do. Thank God. Yeah. He was like our God's, you know help right there he's just like i got you guys dude called his guy we got him in the ambulance and got him up to the the real hospital and then that day they did all the surgery yeah and then he sat in the hospital for a week and i'm like dude i'll fly home with you commercial but it's gonna be living hell yeah so he basically had to get a private plane home and wow. flew home on a private jet fucking That's sat like there 45 50 60 grand something uh, like yeah it was a gnarly one it was uh -huh. 10 grand for the surgery Oh, wow. Yeah. In Mexico. And they did great. Oh, wow. The only thing they didn't yeah. do was countersink the screws. But other than that, they did a great job. He's surfing now. He's already been back, gotten some giant barrels. Okay. You know? Nice. All right. Yeah. I'm sure it rattled. You definitely, you know, it was not, it rattled me for a while. Yeah, I bet. Definitely kind of had me on. Because you guys had that car wreck before that. that you both oh, yeah, survived. that was in 07. That was another, you know, everything's happened, you know. Yeah. You busted your knee up pretty good, didn't you? I broke my heel. Oh, okay. I shattered my heel doing an air here, and that was just, okay. that was miserable. All right. That's what basically, after that, I was like, fuck, and small waves are horrible. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know? When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free.
LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And all right, so are you living down there full time? Yeah. Yeah. How oh, and when did that start? Basically around 2013, 14. Okay. I got my wife pregnant in 2016, had my first child in 2017. How'd you and your nice. wife meet? Oh, right there at the beach, you know, uh, just kind of. She saw you get a huge barrel. Her and her cousin and, and a couple of their friends were always down there kind of hanging. And uh, yeah, one day she came up to me and just kind of talking, goofing off. And, you know, one thing led to another. And then he's know. like, I see you get the suck back. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. How's that yeah. first date work with uh, the cousins and stuff? You're just like, hey, you want to grab dinner? You get a couple of beers? Or yeah, I, well, I told her her aunt, you know, I was like, come on talking to the auntie because the aunt lived right down the street from me and i'm just like you know i really like her you know what's up and she's like oh you'd be a great guy for her you know you're always around you know you're a good guy so just kind of led from one thing to another what's your wife's name carla carla great okay was that difficult because obviously she's from there she born in that yeah zone yeah so her whole family is there yeah was that difficult for you like were they accepting of you right away or did you have to kind of well, Pay some dues, yeah, work your you way know, in with the uncles and stuff. The mom, her, she had a brother, small family, you know, the brother was cool. And the mom, you know, she was just a school teacher and her father's a taxi driver. Okay. So they were, you know, the mom, she's a really nice lady. You know, unfortunately she passed away last year. Mm-hmm. You know, that was tough. Yeah. And then her father, you know, he's a great guy. I actually, a lot of my friends that come see me, he takes them to the airport. Oh, nice. Because okay. he's a taxi driver, so yeah. that's cool. It, yeah. it all works out. Sweet. So I help him out. It all comes back full circle. Yeah, a little family business. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. And I've got a couple of uh, kids, boys, girls. What are we talking about? I have about? two little girls, Frida and Eliza. Frida's right six and Eliza's two. Any uh, Frida Zamba lineage there? You know, it was funny because my wife made said the name and I was like, oh, that's kind of a cool name, you know? She actually came to our elementary school when I was a young kid I remember and spoke to us about surfing. And that's when one of my best friends, Matt Duffy, yeah. it was me and him. And she came and told us, you know, you could have a shot at surfing, you know, but just, you know, keep your head on. Don't do drugs. That was kind of in the just say no air. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she came to our, our elementary school and that was cool. And when my wife said that name, I was like, Oh, that is a rad name, you know? Yeah. Frida Zamba, you know, that's what I first thought. And I was like, wow, you know, but she was thinking Frida because she's like a famous artist in yeah. Mexico. Yeah. So I didn't really know that at the time, but, you know. Good crossover. Yeah, so it was, to me it was cool. Speaking of drug use, give us the background on uh, drug-assisted takeoffs in that zone. Um, obviously, it's heavy. Uh, people might just uh, decide to make it a little bit easier to go over the ledge. 
you, well, you know. I've got a friend who will remain anonymous. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, there were some guys, you know, definitely were cheating, but. By cheating, say, what do you mean? Taking out of van or something or like a value? More like speed, you know? Okay. You know, just, you know, just, I guess I've never done it, so I don't know what it makes you feel like, you know, but yeah, definitely, I guess it makes you feel fast and not scared. Okay. You look at like Philippe Verosco. Yeah. You yeah. know, those guys were surfing Mavericks. Right. You know, and how the hell do you make all those wipeouts for so many years? There's right. no way you're sober. Yeah. I'm sorry. There's Fair just enough. no possible fucking yeah. way. Dude. When it's well yeah. documented, like Tom Carroll's uh, snap at pipe, you know, he, he's fully admitted that he was uh, not sober. Yeah, he was right. up on that days. snap? Yeah, yeah. I did not know well, that. Well, you look at he's, that. He's, That's he's, radical. He's admitted um, in an article, uh, yeah, he's admitted that he probably would have never even attempted it. <laughs> well, look at Andre Agassi. He was high as a kite, and he was winning Grand Slams, right? Yeah. Okay. He was cheating. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that either. So... You know, it wasn't just in surfing, today. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That's why <laughs> so, I asked the question. Yeah, no, it's not just in me surfing. Me, personally, I was just a ganja guy. Yeah, right, right. You know, I burned a little ganja, you know, and that would help ease my nerves. Yeah. So the guy I talked to said that two Valium made you basically fearless and that there was no issue with what I'm, what I'm about to do. You know, it might make you a little tired, uh, but if you drink enough coffee, you can offset that. I don't know. It seemed to me like... Uh, Something that would be a really dangerous combination of yeah. not being worried. But then again, if you're all like, no big deal. I'm going, going over the falls on this 20 foot wave after screwing up a, uh, a little turn here or there. And well, maybe it was no like the caffeine to the coffee. So it was like an additional uh, rush to the already needed rush of, you know, charging these psychotic waves. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it seems to me just like made sense, but also dangerous. Definitely. And like when you think about it from the physiological standpoint of what those drugs do to your respiratory function and your heart rate, how they slow everything down. And then if you do get into a situation where you have a difficult hold down, then you, yeah, you can run into some real problems that way. Yeah. All right. I've always felt like the thing that made me the most comfortable in bigger waves was um, like education and... Um, Breathing. Kind of practice about breathing. Yeah. yeah. Staying and calm. And like some rescue techniques and more, more the mental game than anything else. Um, and that's actually, that's become kind of a big thing in surfing now. There's a few different organizations. Um, one is the BRAG organization, Big yeah. Wave Risk Assessment Group. That's um, uh, Cole Christensen and Mark Healy, Greg Long, Brian Kailana, Pat Chung, Tim, those guys. Um, we're actually have been talking to those guys and are trying to get them here in August in conjunction with the film festival to put on a two day safety summit. Nice. And I actually went and took it in Hawaii and it was one of the best things I ever did. And it definitely, it took my, uh, comfort level up like multiple notches to surf bigger waves, to surf bigger waves. Yeah. I, I not, not to, I was always willing to surf bigger waves. It was how I felt when I was in the bigger waves. Yeah. That was the noticeable difference for me because now I knew what to do. And not only if something happened to me, but if something happened to somebody else out there. Um, do you guys encounter that much down there as far as like, is there a, I mean, the, well, yeah, there's probably I, still no lifeguard no, organization, yeah, there's right? A real, there's a few lifeguards, but in, in the big scheme of things, it's going to be very difficult for them in those rips. They're like Niagara Falls, you yeah. know? Yeah. You feel so ins insignificant out there sometimes when you're neck deep yeah. and you're looking up at this giant wave and you see this big rip. Like, I'll tell a lot of, like, 
This one kid I was telling one day, he was in the rip and he was trying to fight it. Dude, I go, the thing was sucking you out. Why are you trying to go against it? Yeah. Let it take you out the back. You're going to be safe. Right. Yeah. You know, don't. You're not going to win anyways. You're not going to win. <laughs> you can't you know? outswim that. And that's why we're, you know, yeah, we're risk takers, but you want to be a risk technician. Yeah. And be smart and calculated about what yeah. you're doing. You Manage know? your risk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kind of. You know, there's certain ways to go about it. You know, don't panic. Right. Just relax. You know, let the let the wave beat the shit out of you. Don't panic's an easy thing to say, but when you've done it over and over again and you, you are comfortable with that size wave, you know you're going to be all right if you do these really odd, friendly things. Oh, like, yeah. You know, you're going to be better off if you don't try to swim really hard against the current. You're, you, you're better off if you know when... Consuming to, your energy. When yeah. to climb your leash, when to just let yourself get ragged. Oh, yeah, like... For me, I remember one of my gnarliest wipeouts. I was like getting sucked over and I somehow just to pop out the top and got a little breath. And as the thing sucked me down, it pushed me down on my on the bottom of the sand. I was basically sitting there Indian style. Right. And I waited for all the waters to kind of let go. Right. And as soon as I felt it kind of calm, then I started pushing off the bottom and swimming to the top. And I came up and I was starting to get sucked out the back. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be gnarly because it could be a couple more bigger ones behind mm. it. It was a really big day. But it actually, you know, it pulled me out the back. And, whew, I was stoked for that. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, didn't It takes get, practice to know yeah, that. Yeah, you know, if I would have fought myself that wave, I could have lost a lot of energy just, you know, by trying to battle the wave instead of just letting go into the bottom and just relaxing like I did. Yeah. Which I can, you know, I saved all my energy. You do any breath hold training? You know, I just try to breathe slow before I go out. Yeah. Kind of deal. Yeah. You know, just, you know, be calm. Yeah. And just believe in yourself. Tell yourself you're a great, confident surfer. Yeah. That yeah. helps. I agree. That helps. I mean, I was only in one situation, pretty, not even close to what you're dealing with, but that I would consider pretty heavy for me. And uh, a lot of it had to do with telling myself, all right, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up. I'm going to go down. I might take next wave on that. But yeah, it does come down to like comfortable, you know. I know my, my guys are around me. You've got somebody yeah. there to help you, support you. But how many times have you had to do the the swallows? Like the, I mean, probably a lot, right? I mean, oh, yeah. You know, I just, you know, like, I've, my, I blacked out on a four-footer trying to dog door it. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you know, I hit the water so hard, it was like, hit my face. Like, I was trying to dog door, and it just pushed me face first and knocked me out. Like, I was underwater, like, felt, I, I knew I was asleep. And then I came to it. And Brian was right there on the ski, and I was like, he's like, dude, you were underwater for a while there. I was like, fuck, dude, I got knocked out. Fuck, going so Not fast, funny, yeah. I hit the water like concrete, you know? Yeah. yeah. And just didn't expect it. It was early in the morning, you know? And I might have not have been hydrated enough. Who knows? Back yeah. to my small wave theory that they can hurt you more than big waves. Absolutely. So uh, I think, too, like I remember uh, in that course, I remember Mark Healy saying that for him, his breath hold didn't start until he had his first diaphragmatic spasm. And that's, he's like, now I'm holding my breath. Okay. Well, and Billy was gnarly. Uh, when yeah, he was a little kid, like 12 yeah. or 13, he was already <laughs> surfing giant waves and like he was just a little skinny scraggler. So yeah. he's got so much practice at it, and especially since he's such a gnarly diver. Yeah. I've taken him out spear diving before and the motherfucker was underwater for like four minutes. Yeah. And I'm just watching his buoy move around. And then he wow. comes like, you all right? You all right? <clears throat> And he's like, oh, yeah, I got a giant fucking fish. And sure enough, he pulls up this 
Kubera snapper, and it's as big as the boogie board. Yeah. Lord, I'm like, yeah. fuck, Healy, that's a gnarly one, dude. He's like, oh, this will feed everyone for a long time. Yeah. He, was, that, a, he was the littlest Grom I ever seen charge when, on the North Shore when we were kids. Yeah. It was just, a, it was a, I remember looking at him going, dude, how does this little tiny dude do this? <laughs> yeah. You know how tiny he was? Oh, yeah. He surfed all the gnarly spots, like rock piles, goes left at Waimea, you know, he's yeah. surfing the outer reefs. Surfing insanities, you know, he was fucking tapped at a young age. He was, he had it in him. Yeah. If, if anybody takes gas on, on a wave like that, it's Healy's the one that's going to be like already in the cross legged position that you're talking about, going to the bottom and going two, three waves, no problem. I'll be up when I want to go. You know, what's you interesting know? is in, in, in that course, like we talked a lot about that and, and they showed some video, um, Mark had a, a GoPro that was facing him on the nose of his board at Mavericks, and he paddles for a wave. He misses it. He turns around. There's two more behind it, bigger. He knows he's going to get caught inside, and they slow-mo it, and you watch, and, and, he's, and he's, he's commenting. He's, you know, showing you the video, and he's saying, okay, he's like, see right here? He's like, I've identified that I can't make it out. So I'm not going to waste energy. So I'm not going to waste energy. I'm not paddling hard, but he said, look at my mouth and look at what I'm doing. He's hyperventilating. He's doing this breathing technique that he learned through Wim Hof stuff when he's, he's like, I'm hyper oxygenating my blood because I know I'm about to have to hold my breath for a long time. And I'm like, that's what I mean when I say like the education of that is what made me feel so much more confident. And the fact that, when you get a diaphragmatic spasm that you're not going to die, you know, but if, if you didn't know what that was and you were underwater and that happened, you'd be, you'd almost give up and take a gulp of water. You're like, I'm done. Like right. it's over, but, you know, but now that you know, it's coming, He's, he talks about having three or four of them Whoa. and it's literally, you know, but, but also too, that's, what's cool about these courses is that they have the science behind it to substantiate the fact that you have plenty of oxygen in your blood. So your body is just giving you a signal saying sometime in the near future, you're going to have to breathe. That's what that feeling is when you're holding your breath. It's your body saying, hey, you're going to need to breathe. But it's your brain being way ahead of schedule. You have enough oxygen in your blood. And then knowing stuff like that made me feel so much more comfortable when I was underwater. It was a night and day difference. I wish I'd have taken it when I was a kid. The course is for everybody, not just people who surf big waves. Yeah, like you can't go wrong. It's not going to hurt. Yeah, like it, a tourist you know. that gets you know yeah. rips out in a riptide. Yeah, well, it's like, not going to hurt. Like too, growing up here, you don't get a lot of opportunities to hold down. Yeah, you know that's that's the problem. You know, yeah. the wa- the the water's just real user friendly, kind of calm. Yeah, you know, you get, fifteen seconds is a long time to be underwater here. Yeah, if that happens, <laughs> right. you're like <laughs> that's a long you know? time. Yeah. Um, speaking of pressure and in the water, uh, do you have any good stories of the the Slater Andy Irons rivalry? I know you were kind of pocketed in there. Yeah, well, when we went to Australia in two thousand two, it was funny. We were uh, Slater, I think, brought Doug Silva, and okay. An- I was with uh-huh. Andy, and I had brought a bunch of CDs. And it was funny. He comes in the elevator. He's all, oh, man, what do you guys got? He's all, bro, you're not AI's. Just you know, he's pretty punchy at this point. He's like, fuck, I just want to beat Slater. You know, yeah. I looked up to him my whole life, but now I'm going to fucking smoke him. Absolutely. And he's all, you know, Slater, I got the Florida mojo with me. He's all, you're not stealing our vibe. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, this guy's fucking serious right now. <laughs> and it was funny, like, but he really wanted to go see him surf. Like, he's all, Slater's heat. We got to go watch him, you know. I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to go see what he's doing. Sure enough, he does a gnarly rap car. He's, ah, oh, he's throwing pizzas, you know, just trying to write him off. 
But, mm-hmm. you know, he was just like, he wanted to be the Slater killer, which was so rad. He knew he could do it. And yeah. I told him, I go, dude, you're going to beat this guy one day. And, uh, yeah, that contest, sure enough, he made it to the quarterfinals at Snapper. Snapper. Okay. And he was riding a Greg Weber. And I go, you know what, dude? Ice that board. Okay. You're going, we're going to Bells. You're going to fucking win. Wow. And sure enough, we get down there, and we got this rap music, do or die, uh, rap a lot mafia and the song's called <laughs> Vic- victory in my eyes and i can't see nobody's gonna fuck with me and he's all right hoppy when we pull up to that parking lot you play this fucking song every damn time <laughs> and sure enough dude he went through everyone and then it came down to the very end it's him and sonny g no way in the final and i'm like i i was telling sonny the whole trip he was like mike tyson then just fucking ruling everyone dude get out of our way you know i remember this we're one night we're at Duran Ball and this guy pulled up real close to us and I'm like and Sonny's all whoa watch this watch this hop he fucking grabs the guy by the two fingers and he's he fucking <laughs> throws him into his back seat I'm like holy <laughs> shit I didn't have time to pull out my camera and I was like fuck dude how gnarly was that He's all, you like that one, Hoppy? He's all, come on, let's go serve. I'm like, I holy want him shit. on my team. Probably yeah. better there's no pictures of that. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, while I'm down there filming Sonny at Durambaugh, and the guys come up and they're like, dude, what happened, man? How, how'd we piss your mate off? I go, oh, you just pulled up a little too close for his comfort, you know? He, he, Sonny Garcia, you know? <laughs> and they're like, oh, sorry, you know? Just tell him we're really sorry, mate. Oh, yeah, no problem, you know? Oh, wow, yeah. But, you know, That's Sonny, what I would say, too. He was like the Mike Tyson of surfing, dude. The most yeah. powerful guy. Just He was a great character, you know? Before world title or after? That was after his world yeah, title. Yeah, because he won in okay. 2000, right? Yeah, right. and this was yeah. 2002. Okay. He had, I remember, he went and got a board from Luke Egan. And it was a JS. And I went down to Durambaugh with them, and I filmed him. And he caught, like, five waves. And I think three of them were just incredible. Wow. And we go back to the hotel and watch the footage. And Andy and Corey and them are all there. And he did this, these gnarly two power gouges. I was there was like, whoa, that's the best I think I've ever seen him surf. Wow. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he was, just, he was just so gnarly. He so much power. And just how he would harness his power doing those gouges. To me, that was just. A man in his element, right? Yeah. I mean, just so perfect for that. He was, he was, you know, one of the greatest Hawaiian guys of ever, all time. You know, he was, I loved growing up watching him in Filthy Habits. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that was the shit. Him and Richie Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, the guy was gnarly doing backside roundhouses out at Cannons, ripping the beach breaks, ripping the one wave. That's like the gnarliest wave in the Hawaiian Islands. I don't want to say the name, but it's fucking like Chopu turned around as a right. Okay. And yeah. I, you know, what about was, that Hawaii year though? At the when you were guys uh, with Slater and Irons heat. Oh, that was the yeah, that was the best heat I ever got to see him surf. It was eight to twelve foot pipeline backdoor, and I'm sitting it off the wall. With Timeline. Where, where were we? That was the year. I don't know exactly which year, but I know Rob Machado won the Pipe Masters that year. Okay. Okay. It was the round before the quarters, and it was Andy Irons, Kelly Slater. I think it was the first heat of the morning. And I pull up it off the wall with my little handy cam, and it's Tom Carroll and Pete Flipper Hodginson. And we sat there, and we all burned a joint. And I remember Slater got this wave, and and, and Ter- Carroll's like, fuck, that's not a 10. That must be a 12. And then Andy <laughs> got a bigger one. He looks, oh, fuck, mate, how are they going to judge this? <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it's going to be interesting. And then Andy got a nuts left, I remember, and, and pretty much sealed the deal. And then he came in and just screamed, Kawhi boys. <laughs> I think that was it right there. That's pretty much started the gnarly rivalry. Right. And that two. was maybe 
Well, it was '98. I was gonna say. It was definitely in the late 90s, so you would have been an impression. He was on MCD right then because he had qualified and then he fell off tour. Okay. And then he requalified and signed with Billabong. That's it. That's the beginning. Yeah. So, and that was, you know, that's when he just went full tilt. I love it. AI. Just cowboy. Cowboys. He wore his heart on his sleeve. That's why, you know. Oh, yeah. Most most hardcore guy in surfing. If he was still alive, I believe surfing would be a lot more hardcore. I love that. It's gotten watered down over the years. These corporate guys, you know, just taking a stronghold on it. And just, it's just not like what it used to be. Yeah, well, with the World Surf League and the centralization of the commentary under the same umbrella as the league. For example, the NFL doesn't hire commentaries. The channels do. You know, yeah. each, each network does that has the rights. They can comment freely as they want. So yeah. you have the You're not beholden to the NFL, right? It, it, it's more of a slurpy thing. It is, yeah. you know. I mean, you have uh, obviously freedom of speech, and people like David and Chaz can criticize all they want, whether it's founded or unfounded, and all this stuff. But when you have um, the whole environment of professional surfing, sort of trying to fit into some kind of a mold to be packaged and resold to the highest corporate bidder. It, it's taken a little bit of the fun out of it. Well, huh? Bart, Barton Lynch is a perfect example. Perfect. Arguably the most uh, prolific and popular commentator and is no longer welcome in the booth because he speaks his mind a little too much. Where's mm. Martin Potter? He was great, too. Yeah. I liked Martin Potter a lot. He was there early, early on. You know? Saw him at Ted's Bakery. Yeah. I yeah. Got to get, got to Surfing's being run by people that don't surf and haven't ever surfed. And, and they're trying to make and money. And that's the problem. Yeah, and they're when trying they to make were, money were, out of it. And they were making money before when the core lords were there. Yeah. Well, another thing, too, about the whole contest thing is lame, is I feel the judges shouldn't be able to hear what the surfer needs. Yeah. Because now all these guys are claiming their ride. It's like, dude, you got a good wave. Don't claim it. Be yeah. humble yeah. and paddle back out and kick some more that's ass. That's a great point. I never you know? thought of that. That's yeah. where they're manipulating the score. Mm, yeah. I've seen it over and over and over. And it, to me, it's just not hardcore. How do you feel about the Eddie scoring system? Did you like that? You know, it's a great, it's just great because everyone was charging. Yeah. You know, the scoring is, you know, it's always going to be scoring, whatever, you know. Yeah. You're going to, everyone's going to have their, you have your opinion. I have my opinion. John has his opinion. Pat has his opinion. You know, regardless, the guy Luke caught the biggest waves. Right. He deserved a fucking win. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, Billy Kemper had that wave. If he would have stuck that, Hulf, that would have been a 200-point ride in my, my eyes. You know, Grant Twiggy Baker, he had a couple nuts rides that he didn't stick. Mm-hmm. Was, I just think, too, I've seen five Eddies in my lifetime. Oh, no, yeah. I've seen five, yeah. Yeah, you have. I've shot quite a few. Didn't you get that one shot of, uh, of Andy? Yeah, yeah that's right probably the my break. all-time favorite photo, you know. Oh, as it should publicized. be. But, uh, you know, to see... The little Grom, I watched that little Grom grow up, Luke. Real humble kid. Uh, and then Dave Wazel's a good friend of mine. They work together. And, uh, you know, to see that story unfold, you know, a lifeguard like Eddie was. Yeah. And to be able to say, hey, uh, you know, whoever his captain was, can I, can I surf this event? Yeah, sure, you can surf it. But when you're not in your heat, you're going to sit on the tower. Right. Yeah, because he was on duty that day. He was day. on duty. Yeah. Wow, that's and to win yeah. that, you yeah. know. and What a story. Uh, yeah, and then what was cool, too, that night, uh, Wazel and him had, uh, Wazel had texted me. You know, I said, hey, tell him congrats or whatever. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, we had oysters. And by the way, we had your pokey sauce that night. The champion ate my pokey sauce. Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. nice. No, that, was, that was pretty cool to hear. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, but what a great story. Frosting. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, obviously, I think 
you know, an invite to the Eddie would have been warranted in your case at some point. You know, I didn't put much time at YMA. I surfed out there once or twice, but it's, no. It doesn't barrel. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a big giant (laughs) drop. Yeah, I like the barrel, you know. Those giant drops are cool, you know, but I'd rather get in the barrel. Yeah. I'm more of a barrel rider. To me, that's that's just what I I, I enjoy. Drops are fun, but yeah. you know, I'm not looking for drops. I'm looking, right. you know. Do you feel like there's ever um or that there would be a space in professional surfing for a tube riding event that's assisted by skis where you can Oh, most definitely. That's where they're either towed in or step off. That's or where you know, they have no clue. Like I've paddle assisted some of my friends, dude. And I just know where you can put people and what the boundaries are able. Yeah. And yeah, they just don't know, you know, the, the corporate people and the companies, they, you know, I guess you got to propose it to them or something. Yeah. You know, it's just. becomes more of a team sport at that point, too, because then the drivers equally, if not more important than the surfer. Oh, yeah. You got well, they do that Cape Fear, that Cape Fear contest where they swing them into that wave, that, that gnarly. Slab. They do yet at hours. Yeah. Yeah. Red Bull thing. Right there in Sydney. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty mental. Yeah. Like I said, you know, even like the stab thing, the stab high, you know, it's cool. They're doing airs, you know, but like, let's see some airs on some six, eight foot waves. Like I used to drive Nathan in the afternoon. Yeah. And we'd go out and it'd be, you know, six, eight foot backs. And he'd be on his hand, personal hand shape, five, two, little forefin. <laughs> and he's going above the horizon line and trying to stick these airs. Yeah. Like I've been telling Eric. Come on, Eric. You're like one of the best air guys in the world. Yeah. You know, but he's complacent. Okay. I want to see him come do airs in big waves and stick one to where his peers are like, whoa, you see that air Eric did yeah. on like a serious wave? Then, you know, and then these guys are like, well, fuck, we got to step up our game. Yeah. Because I know he's capable. Oh, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he's got the Andy Irons talent. Yeah. He just needs to be out of his comfort zone. Right. You know? Fair enough. All right, Eric, there you go. There's the you know, I love him. I've been trying to get him to come and, you know. Well, I mean, you, let's talk about what you do now a days and uh, your business. Tell I, me about that. I basically just drive people in, you know, and step them off into the barrel of their life. And, you know, it's like spoon feeding them. What's you know? the cost for one really good barrel? So, well, I basically have a day rate and I just, you know, I charge them seven fifty for the day and, you know, I provide the board and they come down and, you know, I cater to them. I'm right going to put them on, you know, you get a 20, 30 pack in a day. You Sweet. get 20 great barrels and you're hiring a kite. You know, there's no better feeling than 20 great barrels. And then you got a girl, I got a girl on the beach filming and then a friend out there on a jet ski shooting with a 7,200 and you come back with all your coverage, Yeah. you know, and you can just sting all your friends up. All right. Well then (laughs) how can you do that on waves that are a couple feet overhead? Oh yeah. That's me. (laughs) I take little kids out. I take little kids out that are like 14 13, 14 from California, right. you know, and teach them what they got to bleed to learn. I spend a lot of money you chasing know? good waves. And you're telling me now that all I got to do is hand over. Oh, you come, if you came and saw me for two days, you'd be so over the moon. In two days, you'd be so high, you wouldn't even believe it. Yeah, and it's, probably injured. But no, I would be. Not necessarily <laughs> I'm, because I'm, kidding. I'm not going to. John put, knows me. I'm, you Kevin's know, very injury prone. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking to, you know, my knowledge is. What me and my friends, we're looking to put you on the best wave. For yeah. sure, yeah. I'm not yeah. looking at shitty waves. Yeah. I look and make sure the wave's clean, you know, the shape, you know. I kind of know what's going on. You I've, do what I do for my eight-year-old. Yeah, basically exactly. just reading. Yeah. You're just reading and constantly checking it out. Oh, no, I don't like this one. No, I like this one. I love you it. You know, it's like taking candy from a little kid. You put Kevin Schweitzer on the wave of his life. Oh, yeah. I told oh, Kevin. Man. I go, you show up, you're going to get the wave of your fucking life, Kev. No kidding. And sure enough, we, me and Marco broke the board. 
He's like, oh, I'm going to go get another board. He runs up to the house to go get a board. I go, oh, I'm going to go get Niels' dad a wave. Yeah. I fly down, get him on the ski in not even like five minutes. I'm like, I let like three or four waves go by. I go, hold on, Kev. We're going to let this one go by, let this one go by. And then it was funny because Niels was on the inside. His, I think his girlfriend and all her friends. And then this hit one came in. I go, this is the one, Kev. <laughs> and sure enough, dude, the thing, I remember it had like, shooting stars on it it was like that <laughs> 10 30 hour where it's just starting to like really shimmer and look beautiful the diamonds and and <laughs> the yeah diamonds. He, it was i wish we would have got a picture for him i remember missy saw it she was on the beach but i don't think she had the camera okay. mm. and yeah he was like oh he was over the moon he went straight in and celebrated got a beer yeah nice nice yeah, <laughs> yeah neil's uh neil spends a lot of time down there yeah yeah he he basically his fiance is my wife's cousin oh okay violetta okay. so yeah. we live real close to each other we live same about the same distance we live here, awesome. from my parents' house to his parents' house. Nice. A couple nice. blocks down the street. There was a really good shot of him, and I believe it was there that was a double-page spread in Surfer's Journal. Yeah, it's, it's, him it's on right, my desk right, right now. Getting to his spread feet. open on that. Yeah. Real bowly, yeah. apexy. He's, I'd say he's one of the top paddlers from the East Coast. Yeah. He'll, he, he'll take out a lot of these guys that get paychecks. Yeah, Guaranteed. absolutely. There's absolutely. pretty much him, Pete Mendia, Baron Knowlton, and Balaram. Yeah. You know, and before that, Markham, he was like the head honcho. Yeah. No fucking little guy, Mighty Mouse. No one, no one went like that guy. He was fucking tapped. Yeah. Breaking so many stretches. He broke probably 30 grand in stretches one year. Wow. Charging that hard. Wow. So that'll wow. tell you something. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a pretty rich history of that um, here uh, going back to uh, Steven Est. Yeah. Steve's a gnarly barrel writer. And like, I've been with, him in certain places and ever with pro surfers and guys are like that guy's destroying all of you yeah right. he, he moved to the north shore and he was living at uh, backyards yeah and uh after irons had left here he left me this town and country board you remember when we surfed that yeah. backyard session with steve yeah Dude, it was gnarly i was scared yeah like i was really scared it was like six to eight and uh anyway somehow steve got that board he ended up getting that irons board this town and country board and um, I just was like, and I remember watching Steve here. You know, he's a Nestor the Molester. Yeah. You know, and he would win all these ASPs, uh, pro, whatever they were called. ASP East, East, East yeah. yeah. But he paddled out with us out there, dude, and just like was just getting, like, even the Hawaiian guys, you know, like, he was getting waves. Yeah. Full waves. Yeah, he was, down, he was down at the boom one time with uh, JT. This is a trip I was not on, but he was down there, and there was a whole pro group of guys that were there for a mag trip and getting shots and everything. And Shay, at dinner, like, these guys are all, they got their laptops out. They're looking at all their waves, and they're, you know, patting each other on the back. And, and Shay is just like, that guy blew all of you out of the water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I remember the first time my mom let me go to Hawaii. I was probably 12 years old. I was still, I think I was in middle school, sixth grade. Yeah. And Mylon Davidge's parents lived there at Turtle Bay. Well, the first day, week, the first night I get there, you know, his dad drops us off the next morning and it's at Dwayne Mackey and Stephen Ness's house right there at VLAN. Yeah. And that was my first kind of like, you know, you know, Mackey and Nestor, you know, yeah. I knew him from here and then got to actually hang, put, leave my backpack there and then surf the whole North Shore that day and then talk to those guys, which was cool, you know? Yeah, Nestor's the man. Still, yeah. see, still see him out there. He's out there with a new hip and... Uh, we got a hip replacement. Full, yeah, fully recovered and ripping and... Were you ever yeah. molested by Steve in a heat? Uh, no. Okay. I no. thought, is he a little older than you? I think he's a couple years older than me, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Just making sure I wanted to make sure you he's got to be mid fifties yeah. now. Yeah. 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 I just turned 50. I think or he's 52. like 52 or 53, yeah. but yeah. We, yeah, he was just enough where we were in different. Yep. About that. How about, uh, people get a hold of you for your business? Do you put it out there? No, I don't really advertise. It's more okay. of word of mouth, you know, okay. kind of friends of friends, you know, a friend yeah. will tell, oh, I went and did this, you know, and then they'll be like, whoa, you know, can I come? And yeah, okay. that's kind of how we do it, you know. I love it. Yeah. Just kind of underground. Do you have any, do you have any uh, prerequisites? Like, are there people that you look at and go, I'm not putting you out there? You know, not really. It's <laughs> like, if. I can tell, you know, I like to drive, I normally drive pretty good surfers, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've, I've taught novice surfers how to get barreled. Like this kid came this year and he's 13. He's never been barreled before. Oh, wow. And I put him on a 30 pack of barrels. Nice. Oh, wow. He's never paddled into a barrel, but he stepped off on the ski and he got 30 barrels. Yeah. Dude, I, that's insane. Like, I think oh, I would be yeah. like. He got to experience the suck back. Well, he's. Right. He couldn't believe that. <laughs> he came up and he's like, fuck up. My, my lips are tingling. My face is numb. I like, oh, just felt the suck back. I, he, do, uh, I do think. That's the name of this podcast, by the way. The suck oh, back. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> or the back spit. Suck back, back spit, whatever you want to call it. It's take it. the high of highs. Yeah. I mean, when you get a really good wave and you. You know how you kind of shake a little bit on your way back out? Yeah. And you're just like literally shaking and doing that thing? That's kind of like my version of the face numbing thing, I think. Uh, but I I, th I feel like if you put me on really good, two or three really good barrels, oh. I would be, I'm the kind of guy, I'm an accountant by nature. So really? I would probably be. Shocking. Yeah. Like, okay, I think I've gotten my share of barrels today. I probably <laughs> should go in and know. But you're telling me, I, okay, I'll get you 15 or 20. I'm the guy that would yeah. be like, I've only gotten 30, yeah. and I'm going to need 3,000 more. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, that's how we were for years. We were like junkies. It's like, you know, yeah. you got a needle in your vein. I want another one. Yeah. I need another one. Yeah. That wasn't good enough. I want to fuck another one. Give me another one. And then it just kept getting better and better, and then... You're just so high on adrenaline, the come downs. It's like, wow, you right. know. We'd go for like 10 days in a row on the ski sometimes and just be so over the moon, I remember. And then you just fuck not do anything for a couple days, just chill out. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the best days ever. It was just me and Todd and Brian and Greg. And it was like a 12 or 14 hour day. And it'd been like our third session of the day, and I got fucking stripped naked. I got oh, my shorts wow. ripped off and my vest torn off. Wow. No and I remember I was in this barrel, and it spit so hard I couldn't see, and I ran into the lip line, and it fucking scorpioned me. Oh. Fucking back. I remember my back was like this, and my legs were almost hitting me, and all of a sudden my pants get ripped off, and then my, I had a rip curl top, and it got ripped off too. And I'm like, fuck, Mark, I'm naked. He's <laughs> like, what? I go, dude, I just got stripped fucking naked, dude. And he did like a victory lap and shot me up on the beach in front of the, all the restaurants in the one hotel. And I had to grab the board, and everyone's like, holy shit, look at the little white boy. And I fucking woo, claimed it. Yeah, clean that. And then he drove, I'm like, I think I got another pair of trunks down at the truck. So he drove me down to the truck and I fucking ran up the beach. He's like, dude, I couldn't believe that. Watching you walk up the beach fucking naked. Uh, Go to the truck, get another pair of trunks. And then we came back out and went to more, just fucking more metal militia. Yeah. Oh you know, God. we surfed till dark that night. I remember it was Hurricane Beatrice. Just oh, eight yeah. to ten foot and just, wow. it looked like soup bowls on sand. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Just fucking incredible. Wow. Good, man. We probably got... Who knows? I probably got 60, 70 barrels that day. Okay. Wow. All right. 
Now I'm I curious. Know. I got yeah. I got one more question <laughs> no, no. for you. Well, I got I got something here too. For, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. One more question um, for me. Um, so I I have gotten to be friends with this guy Greg Sharp uh, out in Indonesia, and he he runs uh, boats in the Mentawise, and uh, originally from South Africa, but he's been in the Ments now for I think ten or twelve years, and he's one of the one of the better barrel riders I've ever seen in real life. And I asked him, I said, Greg, what's your best barrel? And he said, it's the one that I don't quite make. Yeah, that's, I'm right there with you. Yeah, he said, if I make the barrel, I'm pissed because I, I knew I could have been deeper. Yeah, like the like I said, those ones that vaporize you, they mean a lot. You know, they're yeah. just so violent and so radical. When you're in that barrel dancing around, your board's doing this, and then you get blown out, you know, you pretty exonerate you're like fuck dude what a, what a ride you know you yeah. feel like houdini yeah right yeah. it's like i made that really it's like you're already like cheating but it's, it's just next level cheating yeah you're going yeah. fast you know we're rolling into these waves going 30 40 miles an hour yeah on those 10 the, footers just the speed itself is something isn't it yeah because you're trying to harness your speed that's the biggest thing because okay. you don't want to outrun the barrel Mm-hmm. that's when you look bad right yeah so you trying to really get down to the bottom and really get deep yeah that's the biggest part in this step off surfing is with those four fins you got so much water and the propulsion coming through like my board i swear it goes into turbo mode i've been telling randy about this for years it'll be like all of a sudden the board will like feel like it's going back it goes uh, and then it goes to the left right and then it just takes off into yeah. turbo mode and like I was making closeouts on the board. Yeah. I made a fucking closeout. First time I ever rode the board, and I did a frontside layback in the barrel. <laughs> Fuck, wow. I knew. I go, when I pulled that off, I go, this board's magic. Okay. Well, yeah. I, we could talk for an hour about quad versus uh, thruster and all that, but let me ask you just, uh, we usually do a surf story, but this has been full of them, so uh, we don't have to put you on the hot seat or anything. But how did you get your nickname? Hopper. Basically, when I was a little kid running around the baseball field, I was great at stealing bases, and my dad nicknamed me Hopper. That's how it went. Base Hopper, and he's like, come on, Hopper. Yeah. Like, and then second to third, stealing home. Yep. And then I remember just growing up, you know, these waves were so mushy in front of our house. There was always that deep slew and trying to get through that inside section, the middle part, to try to get a little inside connection. You know, sometimes, you know, try to do the Tom Kern swivel hips, but, you know, too young and dumb at that point you know just trying to do the hop to get to the beach that's where my head <laughs> initially went but the bases make a lot more sense too. yeah so it was name. a little bit of both right but yeah yeah killer pretty classic um obviously paying your dues in this sport includes potentially a little bit of uh pissing somebody off or violence or getting hit choked out anything like that ever happened to you oh yeah i've been slapped punched out choked out you know, any any individual stories that stick out right now that you're like, wow, I I really deserved it, or no, well, I didn't no, deserve yeah, it. Yeah, like I blocked the punch from the one guy, and he's a gnarly Hawaii guy. He's been in the Blue Crush movies. I don't really want to say his yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he he wanted some herb, and I was like, you know, I don't I don't got it. You know, just like, and I was actually going to meet Bruce and Andy to go surf right. that day, and then. I blocked the first time punch he tried to go throw at me. I was like taking Why my was he sunglasses because he wanted a joint. Okay. All right. And I go to take my sunglasses off to look at him in the eye to be like, dude, I wasn't lying. And right then he goes to smack me and I blocked it. And he fucking started laughing. He, oh, ha, 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 ha. I'll see you later. And I'm like, <laughs> that oh, downright <laughs> evil. Oh, I'm like, oh, great. So I go back to my apartment, you know, and I call my buddy and he comes and picks. He's like, I oh, will go get lunch. 
well, here comes the guy now. And he's like, oh, this is your chance to redeem yourself. Well, then he fucking just blasts me outright. And I fall into my friend. He's like driving and I just fall into his lap. Basically, he just blindsides me while I'm sitting in the car. I'm like, fuck. Well, then Bruce and Andy found out. And they're like, fuck, why'd you hit that guy? He's like harmless as a fly. That's our bro. Yeah. And Kyborg was like, fuck, yeah, that guy's a good guy, dude. And they kind of scolded the guy. And then I was like, I'm not giving that guy no weed. And he's been yeah. a doubt. <laughs> fuck that, dude. Yeah. You know? And then the other one was basically the guy was just trying to clown me and I stuck up for my ground, my right, you know, like, fuck that, dude, you know? And okay. I had a GoPro in my mouth, my leash on, and my board in my hand. And the guy's trying to fucking fight me. And I, I kept taking the GoPro out of my mouth and I got my leash, finally I dropped my board and I fucking headbutt the guy. Okay. Startled him, gave him a good old <laughs> yeah. headbutt. I was like, all right, motherfucker, you want some of me? And, uh, and then we start, I try to start swinging and we kind of get, Locked up. Well, then he gets me in the chokehold and doesn't let go, and I fall asleep. Well, my one Aussie buddy comes over and fucking mounts him. Okay. He's like, dude, I told you to let him go. Yeah. He fucking listen. Well, my buddy's not really skilled fighter. Yeah. And he fucking told him, dude, you better fucking watch it. Okay. And I was stoked <laughs> for my buddy Oz that came in and helped me. He's like, fucking great dude. Okay. Great fighter. Great dude. Great Cops always been mellow. It's, it seems like somehow it just gets to it. They get that. I don't know. You know, they like picking on the little guy, right? Yeah. That's how these guys are. They look for the weak guy, but you know what? I wasn't weak. Guy. My favorite one though was when you sprayed the guy's chick at VLAN the time. Yeah. Well, that. <laughs> and then, and then he, he, he attacked Hop and then he attacked our other buddy, but he didn't realize that we were tight with Brian Surratt. Okay. And Brian Surratt's like an old heavy dude. Yeah. And he said, oh, Come jump in my car, Hop. And he made Hop go knock on the guy's door, and he came out and sat in the car and said, "Hey, don't you ever, don't you ever do that again?" Okay. Yeah. Took a little ride with him, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Surratt was the man growing up. He had like the gnar. He was like the gnarliest surf coach. He had, you know, Kaimana. He had Paul Chaplick. He and had Hop and Nainoa were always Andy. good buddies. Yeah, Nainoa, Bruce. They were all hanging at his camp. You know, that was like they were the gotcha crew. They were Got so gnarly, and yeah, he was. We actually became good friends with him. It was right. funny, one night me and Morkum lost our tow board in Hawaii. And Brian, I'm like, Mork drops me off on the beach, go find the board. And fuck, I'm walking up and down the beach, looking, looking, and all of a sudden, here comes Uncle Brian. He's like, oh, is this what you're looking for, Hopper? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, you owe me one. I'm like, right on, dude. And it was That's cool, great. he gave us the board. Like, it was, yeah, that was, that was pretty rad. Because that night, we got our butts kicked. We fucking got one wave, broke our tow rope. Fucking bro lost our board. Yeah, it was it was pretty radical. Wow. What was that outside sunset? Yeah, that was one of the fastest rising swells to ever hit Hawaii. Really? It was flat. You, you were in the water. Yeah, it was flat in the morning. Okay. By noon, it was six foot. By dark, it was thirty foot. Wow. Oh, wow. We were at and that night. Barton Lynch was out towing too. It was pretty rad. Really? Yeah. Him and his buddy, and it was me and Morkum, and then my friend Chappie. He had just got out of jail, and he. Bunker was paddling. Not Chappie Jennings. No, this other guy, Chappie, he's like a gnarly boat guy, surfer, charger, and he fucking knew the guy's gnarly. Okay. I'm like looking over him. It's almost getting dark. I'm like, Chappie, sure you all right? You don't want to ride in? No, I'm good. I'm good. Meanwhile, right over there, there's these like Niagara Fall whirlpools. I'm like, do you break your leash out there? You're not making it in. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Good wow. luck. It was it really, I was like never seen any kind of rips and whirlpools like that. And it just makes you feel insignificant out there yeah and you're on a fucking jet ski you know you're like this is real uh, coming from you uh feeling insignificant in big waves man that's it must must have been over i mean that, that's what mother nature will do to you on occasion right oh yeah you, you know you gotta really be ready right it's yeah. just no joke when it's that big you know you <laughs> neck deep 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be ready to get your ass kicked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Hop, we're so stoked that it you is, uh, yeah. were able to swing by and uh, have a chat with us. Thank how, you. how much longer are you here in Florida when you head uh, back? I'm here till the weekend and then I'm going to go back to the family. Okay. Nice. Yeah, nice. Came for a couple weeks. Awesome. Stoked to see the family, hang out with the brother, yeah. see his kids. Hopefully this summer I'll be able to bring my kids. Yeah. And then I'll get to play. Yeah. yeah. That's That'd what I'm great, looking forward man. to. I'll definitely be down to see you this oh, we'll summer. I'll be stoked. You're gonna get some. You'll get some hit waves, dude. Yeah. I won't won't let you down. I promise you that. Epic. Uh, I'll take you out on the golf course and show you how to slice the fuck out of a ball <laughs> if you put me in a couple of barrels. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, the ball. It's Deal? you know, it's a. It'll be the time of your life. Okay. You're guaranteed. You know, it's like cherry picking. All right. I don't look at shitty waves. All right. I'm looking for hit waves. I want, I, want, I want to see my friends come out, and I like claiming them for you. You know, I want to see yeah. you blown out too. You know, yeah. this is uh, this is an offer that I can't refuse. It's like, yeah. being, in a, it's like being in a video game. All That's right. how I feel like I'm in a video game when I'm out there. I'm just like looking around, constantly scanning the horizon. You know, right. just looking for these teepees. All yeah, right. like so all of a sudden you you know you're on a dreamer. Sounds fun. It's awesome. I can do a bottom turn. There you oh, go. That's all you need: the bottom right. turn, and then just bunker <laughs> down check. and pump. When I yell at you to pump. You start pumping and then you get spit out. All right. The rest is gravy. Oh, man. Let's leave it right nice. there. Epic. Thanks a Thank lot, you boys. Thanks, bud. Thanks, too, Pat. You know, Kev, I'll tell you, there's something I'm really looking forward to. And I try to look forward to every single day. But um, going down to see Hop to get what? As he describes it, a 30-pack of barrels. Yeah. I'm well, really looking forward to that. And just eat a little bit of his homemade chocolate afterwards, right? Yeah, I'm I'm proposing a new nickname, the Chocolate Cowboy. <laughs> I'm not sure he'll <laughs> like that one. I, I, I know might. that those guys use that term cowboy a lot. And um, as you would imagine, I think that uh, it denotes um, kind of a rough and tough character. You imagine a cowboy like bucking broncos riding bulls all that stuff kind of pioneering you. things and that's something that hopper and his friends have done just in the ocean instead yeah. of on horses let's call him the ocean cowboy i don't I, know i man. like chocolate I, cowboy, chocolate cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh he just describing his own chocolate had me enthralled from minute one here and uh, I got to say, this is one of um, my favorite interviews because I've heard so much about Hopper through Kevin and Trent Schlote, through other people that I know who've been down to his locale of choice and s- experienced him firsthand in his mode. Uh, we I, we got him firsthand too. Now finally, so I got I got a real taste of two Pat's brother, legend yeah. in the community who I've never met, and God, what a what an introduction to that guy. It's funny. I've seen Hop throughout the years, and but uh, but I'll go literal years without seeing him, and then you see him, and it's exactly the same. Hey, bro, what's up? How you doing? You know, like just the same energy, the same infectious laugh, and just stoked for life. And you yeah, know, it's, he's a classic guy. He is. It's like like the opposite of too cool for school. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just way down to earth and um, heavy underground gnarly charger who will not um ever quit is is kind of how i feel like it would have to be some sort of virtual impossibility yeah but he he is a treat to listen to i want to thank our sponsors for this particular 
podcast for all of our podcasts, the Surfing's Evolution and Preservation Foundation. Um, we have uh, them as our presenting podcast sponsor, but we've got some new sponsors on board. Just worth a mention, uh, Josh Wagner, the surfer dude, uh, Sunbum, he just came on board. And uh, of course, our staples, Rourke, Revival uh, Apparel, and uh, Globe Footwear. Monster Energy is our presenting sponsor of the festival. And uh, boy, do we have some great news coming up. Yeah, Yeti. Don't forget Yeti. Oh, my God. Dragon sunglasses. Persimmon hollow beer. Yeah. No, it's just uh, we, we're lucky. We got uh, well, the one and only Taylor Steele coming in June for a filmmaking residency that we're going to go live with here shortly. Uh, so look for applications online for that. That is an application-based program uh, with financial aid that is available. Um, so don't be too surprised at the sticker price. Um, if you are in need of financial aid, um, we want to try to select those folks who are most qualified early to mid career artists who want to attend and, uh, work through some of their projects with Taylor for a week at Atlantic center for the arts. Yeah. What an absolute dream for a filmmaker to get to come hang out with Taylor in an immersive situation, basically live with the guy for a week on campus and uh, pick his brain and get his feedback. And yeah, it's amazing. All right. Yeah. We look forward to seeing your applications there. Uh, Check that out through our website. That'll be up shortly if it isn't already. Um, Anybody else we should thank right now besides the uh, Eichstead brothers? Well, I was gonna. I was gonna thank Tupat for, uh, yeah, you know, setting us up with Hopper. I, I didn't know he was even in town, and we got a phone call from Pat, and he's like, "Hey, Hop's around. We should definitely get him on the podcast." And super thankful for that. So thanks, Tupat. That's right. Thanks, Tupat. We we tried to make it happen literally three hours after you told us about it, and we we did make it happen a couple of days later. But this is just one of my favorites. Cheers.